So uh, for, the, for those, of you who were, those of you who were alive in the 90s, do you guys remember those bracelets that said uh, WWJD? You, know, you still, see, still see them around every once in a while. You know, what, you know it was an acronym. What, what would Jesus do? And, um, you know, the, the point was, okay, you know, before, before you do anything, before you say anything, ask yourself that question. What would, what would Jesus do? So, for instance, if, if somebody insults you, you know, your tendency might be to, uh, to strike back. And, uh, you know, how do you react? Take a second, ask, what would Jesus do? You know, you turn on your TV, say, and, and you start flipping through the channels. You know, is that, is that movie appropriate? Would, would Jesus watch that movie? You know, would you watch it if, if Jesus was, was sitting here with you? And by the way, he is. Anyway, uh, yeah, this, this acronym WWJD became parodied. Um, you know, who, what would, what would this or that person do? And it, it's, uh, in a way, maybe kind of lost its currency, but it's it's still good. Uh, we don't see it as much as we did, but uh, you know, it's good for deciding how to uh, to make decisions, make making moral decisions. And um, you know, in a way, it it kind of trivializes though Christianity. You know, it it turns Christianity maybe into to moralism. Uh, you know, uh, seeing the life as as doing good, having a proper moral life. You know, the thing is, though, that uh, you know there are a lot of people who don't have the Lord. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus who do the right things. There's a lot of good people. There's a lot of people who aren't so good either. But uh, you know, there there are people in the cults who, you know, if you look at the lives they're living, you might think, you know, that's that's really a good person. You know, they. There, there's something there's something going on there. You know, the problem is though, who is Jesus to them? What's their relationship with with our Lord Jesus? Uh, you know, how do how do they respond to him? And that's that's what we're talking about today. Our text today is Mark 15. We're going to start in, in verse one, and we're going to hear uh, Pontius Pilate. He's the he's the Roman governor. He's a pagan, and you know, in God's Holy Spirit-inspired word, this pagan is asking probably the best question, the most important question that's in this book of, of Mark. He asks this. He says, what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And that's what we're talking about today. What, what shall we do with Jesus? What shall we do with Jesus? So... You know, as we continue along in, in the Gospel of Mark, you know, we see that this, this last week of Jesus before the crucifixion is progressing along. You know, he's a couple days closer now. And uh, he remember last time he was questioned by the, the Sanhedrin, seven Jewish elders, the religious leaders. And uh, under Roman rule, you know, the Jews weren't, they didn't have the authority to uh, put anybody to death. So they're doing what they can to convince the Roman government to put Jesus to death, to execute him. And, uh, you know, they've, they've decided that uh, he deserves to be killed. They want him killed. And uh, they need to send him to the Romans to, uh, to see that that sentence is carried out. And so, you know, remember that 
the Jews, the Jewish leaders' problem with Jesus was not his goodness, per se, that, that he was doing the right things and, and saying good things. Their problem with him was the outrageous claims he was making. You know, he, he called God his, his father. He referred to himself as the son of God. And it says, you know, making himself equal to God. The Sanhedrin had asked him this question, are you the Christ, the son of the most blessed? And he said, I am. Listen to what he said. And you will see the son of man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Jesus has claimed to be the son of God who will sit in judgment of the world, who will exercise God's power, you know, when he comes in the clouds in, from heaven, you know, the, the presence of the Lord God will, will be revealed, he says. These are, for the, for these Jewish leaders, these are some pretty outrageous things he's, he's saying, you know, and this all leads to the accusations which lead to this this trial for uh, for blasphemy, and so in today's text, uh, Jesus will be tried by Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. This is the morning of the day that he will be crucified. He'll stand trial in this this pagan court, this Gentile court, and be questioned by Pilate, who has the power in his hands to determine Jesus's fate, whether he'll live or die. So read with me. Mark chapter 15, starting verse 1. I'm reading from the ESV. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests had a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, Have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer. So that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barnabas instead. And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? What shall I do with this man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? And But they all shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wished, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barnabas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the sacrifice you've made on our behalf on the cross, for taking our sins on your shoulders, Lord. We just thank you for your, your goodness and your love that you have shown towards us, Lord. And I just ask, Lord, that your word would, would penetrate our hearts deeply today. Change us, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
So what I'd like to do is look at how different groups, different people answered this question, what they did. What shall we, what shall we do with this question? What shall we do with Jesus? You know, we're going to look at the Romans, the Jews, and then finally, yeah, we're, we're going to say, okay, well, how does, how does this apply to us? What shall we do? What shall we do with Jesus? You know, this is the, this is the foundational question that keeps coming up. You know, there's a, there's another question, remember, that was also a key question earlier. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Remember, Peter said, you, you were the Christ. You were the Christ. So that was a, a you know, theological question, very foundational. But this is, this is where the rubber meets the road here. What shall we do? How does this affect us? How, how does this change the way we should live? So Pilate asked us a question, what shall I do with Jesus? Let's first look at the Romans. How did Pilate react to Jesus? You know, it's obvious that Pilate did not think that Jesus had, do, had done anything guilty of this death sentence, uh, deserving the, the death sentence. You know, he was very perceptive. He recognized that the Jewish leaders were bringing Jesus up on charges out of envy. You know, they had something against him. They tried to present their case as Jesus being part of, of an insurrection. You know, he says he's, he says he's the king of the Jews, you know, trying to appeal to, uh, to Pilate's sense of authority and importance. You know, he's trying to, they're, they're saying he's trying to bring about an, an insurrection against you. Uh, I don't think Pilate felt threatened by Jesus, though. You know, when he asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responded with kind of a vague answer, didn't he? He said, you've said so. You know, uh, in the original, it literally says, you say, you say. You know, it's, it's kind of like now saying, you know, what, whatever you say. You know, Jesus uh, doesn't need to convince Pilate of anything. You know, perhaps Jesus didn't want to... Uh, uh, implicate his his fellow Jews in, in a Gentile court, but the key verse in this section asks the question: What shall I do with this man you call the King of the Jews? You know, how did Pilate himself answer this question? You know, he pretty much was pretty passive. He kind of kind of ignored the question. You know, he was he was swayed by the people. He was swayed by popular opinion. He didn't want to make waves. He didn't want to alienate the Jewish leaders. He didn't want to get the crowds riled up. So he pretty much says, well, you guys do whatever you want with him. My, my hands are clean. Uh, you know, John's gospel account, John records that, that Jesus added this to his answer to Pilate. John eighteen thirty seven. for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And, and in the next verse in John 18, uh, Paul or Pilate responds by asking this question, what is truth? Good question. You know, Pilate saw that, or Pilate saw the Jews in the same way that any other uh, Roman would have uh, seen them. You know, they were, they were one religion, out of many that uh, that were coexisting throughout the uh, the empire, you know, his 
His desire was was peace. He didn't care. Let's just let's just not stir things up. You know, Pilate's response was very postmodern, wasn't it? You know what what is truth? You know, we hear we hear people. I just read an article a couple of days ago where the author of this article was talking about well. This political party here has their truth, but this other political party over here has has a different truth. That's absurd. You know, something cannot be true and not true at the same time. Uh, that's philosophy 101. Uh, I've talked to people who sound like that. You know, it's it's fine. It's good that you have your truth, but I have my truth. Uh, yeah, so then, as now... It was a very pluralistic society, and to to pilot this controversy with with the Jews was just an internal squabble within the uh, the Jewish religion. He didn't care to get involved in it, so he said, "I'm I wash my hands. You guys do whatever you want to do. I don't want anything to do with the matter." He he didn't see that Jesus had done anything deserving death, but. He was indifferent to Jesus, you know, just like, like so many people today. You know, many, many churches are full of people who are indifferent to Jesus. You know, sadly, you can, you can sit in, in a church and be very apathetic and uh, not really care, not desire for him to be the Lord of your life, not to have a deep relationship, a, a, a close walk with with the Lord, you know, to live in holiness before a holy God. It's very possible just to just to sit there sit there and listen to the sermon, sing the songs and, and go home and live like the rest of the world the rest of the week. Something interesting about Pilate is there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation through history about what happened to him. Um you know the Little bit of history we we have showed that he his political career ended uh, poorly uh, a few years after the trial there there was this guy who came along he was a, he was a huckster and he promised that he knew where uh, Moses had hidden some things you know the Ark of the Covenant and this and that and he got people all stirred up well Pilate uh, you know wanting to keep the fervor down had some of the people executed. And uh, he ended up being fired. Essentially, he was removed from his office, his office as, as governor. Uh, a lot of legend grew up around Pilate the next hundred years, a couple hundred years. You know, some claim Pilate, uh, out of remorse for killing Jesus, killed himself. Another legend says that Pilate and his wife became believers. In fact, the uh, the Coptic Church and the Ethiopian Ethiopian church uh, canonized him. They they made they made Pilate and his wife saints. You know, imagine that Saint Saint Pilate. Thing is, we don't know. We we don't know, and it doesn't really matter. Let's look at the Roman soldiers. How did how did they deal with Jesus? What did they do? Let's let's continue with verse sixteen. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace. That is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. 
the soldiers, a whole battalion, you know, a, a Greek cohort. This is this is a tenth of a Roman legion. It's it's a, it's about six men, six hundred soldiers, mocked him. It seemed kind of kind of like overkill to me. But uh, you know, just like Pilate, they they dismissed him as being irrelevant. They treated him with mockery and cruelty. They made they made sport out of him. Uh, they they gave him a purple robe. They put a crown of thorns on him. You know, they they beat his head with a reed. They they spit on him. They they inflicted pain and, and humility on the one who created them. The Lord of glory, you know, the, the one who came to die for them. That's how the Romans did it. Let's, let's next look at the Jews, the, uh, the Jewish leaders, uh, the crowd, this, this guy named Barabbas. You know, the, the Jewish leaders, they were not ready to accept a Messiah who would suffer, you know, a suffering servant as, as Isaiah had presented him in, in his prophecy. Uh, Isaiah 53 is a great book on this. And uh, the, uh, to, to this day, Isaiah 53 is not read in the Jewish synagogues. It's not part of their lex- lectionary. They, they skip over it in their yearly reading plan. They were upset by Jesus' moral teachings. Why is this? Yeah, I don't think that... Um, I don't think they... Or, I said that wrong. Were, were they upset about Jesus' moral teachings? No. No, they weren't. You know, I, don't, I think that anybody could have come along and teach morality and they'd be fine with it. Anyone listening to teaching about, well, this is good, this is bad... Uh, can listen there and take it without getting too upset. You know, they they might not like it. They might not measure up, but, you know, it's not going to rock their religious world in the same way as Jesus did when he made these claims about being the son of God, the one who would return in glory. Uh, they couldn't handle that this, this lowly man from Galilee, you know, who had not been through their schools, Is claiming that he's the son of God. He challenged their way of life. He, they, they couldn't accept that. They couldn't accept that the Messiah would come like this. They, you know, they were looking for a, a liberating king, somebody who would come in on a white steed and vanquish this uh, force, the the Roman Empire, these pagan Gentiles who had, you know, desecrated Israel. You know the, the the Jewish leaders knew they they could not take a neutral position on Jesus. Jesus didn't give them that option. You know they they knew they had to respond to Jesus's claims. They needed to make a uh, decision that would lead to a decisive action. It was for them all or nothing. You know either embrace him or destroy him. There there was no middle ground for them. You know, in fact, they'd been planning to kill him all along. You know, we saw that very, very early in this in this book that they were searching, they were seeking for a way to to kill him. 
That's the Jewish leaders. How about Barabbas? Yeah, we don't, we don't know a whole lot about him, but we know enough about him to know that uh, he was a murderer. I, I find this part of the story to be fairly intriguing. You know, there was this, this custom, it says, something that Pilate usually did for them to release a prisoner. So here's this guy, Barabbas. He's in prison. He's a rebel. He's an insurrectionist. He's a murderer. And it says that the Jews, led by the chief priests, asked that Barabbas would, would be released. You know, and you kind of scratch your head on that one and say, why? You know, why would they want to release a, uh, a murderer and kill Jesus instead? Uh, well, the answer is Barabbas was a folk hero. The over, you know, he, he killed as part of, of the insurrection. He was fighting for the overthrow of the Roman rule. You know, he, he was looked at the way people would, would look at Robin Hood. You know, sure, he's breaking the law. He's even killing people, but he's, he's doing it for a good cause. You know, he could have been looked at the same way as, as the colonial revolutionary saw Samuel Whitmore, who killed three British soldiers in the Revolutionary War. You know, he was, he was a hero for, for their cause. Barabbas was not a threat to the Jews. He was, he was their political hero. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to see Jesus as a threat, a threat to their, their way of life, their religious life, their, their traditions. So Pilate released Barabbas. And um, I think this is... This is a cool little story. I like that. You know, Jesus is taking the death penalty for Barabbas, who deserved death. Does that sound familiar? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a foreshadowing to what Jesus is going to do on the cross for all of us. It's a, a picture for us, you know, understanding the uh, substi- substitutionary death of Jesus, taking our penalty penalty of our sin that deserves death, taking that on the cross. The, the crowd, this is rabble. Barabbas. Let's look at the crowd. You know, the, the crowd, this is rabble. They, they shouted out for Pilate to release Barabbas and crucify Jesus. And so Pilate did just that. You know, on, a, on this, this physical level, you know, this is, this is the just dying for the unjust. You know, and the Apostle Peter talked about this later on. He said, Jesus died for us all, taking our penalty for all of us. And uh, Peter 3.18, Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, being made alive in the spirit. And later on in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 3, verse verse 13, Chapter 3, verse 13, Peter is addressing a crowd and talking about Jesus. And he refers again back to this event. Look what he says. He says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. 
But you denied the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And to this we are witnesses. Yeah, so think about it. Peter's talking to a crowd. Uh, Many of the people in the crowd that Peter was talking to surely were in this crowd who were yelling out, who had been stirred up to to release Barabbas and and crucify Jesus. You know, Peter is essentially talking to the same crowd, you know, and he's telling people about Jesus and he's uh, preaching repentance. And as a result of his talk, Peter was arrested. But look what it says in uh, later, verse 4 of Acts chapter 4. It said, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Amazing, amazing what God can do with a rowdy crowd. Remember in chapter 2 of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came on the church. After Peter's anointed servant, 3,000 people were added to the church. You know, now the number is up to about 5,000. And you've got to ask, how many, how many of these were in that crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him? So let me, let me end by Asking this question, what are we going to do with Jesus? What are we going to do with Jesus? Are we going to look at him and decide that he's irrelevant in our lives? You know, many see Jesus as one of many religious figures who've come to the earth to bring enlightenment. They see him as someone who, you know, just brought his own version of the truth. You know, but Jesus did not give us that option. He did not allow for that possibility. In John's Gospel, fourteen six, he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So, you know, will, will we, like Pilate, refuse to, to take a stand on Jesus? You know, just just wash our hands of the whole matter. You know, maybe... Maybe you say, I'm too busy to worry about such things. You guys can fight it out. You can decide on your own for yourselves, but leave me out of it. You do whatever you want. I'm I'm not going to take a position. I've got too many things that are way more important than this. I think that's where many, probably most of the people in the world are indifferent. Saying, you know, who, who Jesus is, what he wants, that just isn't relevant. To me, at least not now. Maybe, maybe someday I'll think about it. Will you reject him as as a son of God and and instead see him as a, a great moral teacher? Many people say that. You know, somebody who has given us an example of how to live, how to treat others. You know, someone someone who's really good. You know, Jesus was a really good guy. You know, we should we should be like him. You know, the religious leaders, though, did, did not destroy him because he was a rabbi who taught people to get to do good. You know, there are a lot of rabbis around. You can be a very moral person and still reject Jesus. You know, the, the re, religious leaders didn't 
kill him for that. You know, I would, I would say there's seminaries, Bible colleges full of people who don't know him. You know, many, many churches full of people who know the Bible maybe, maybe live very good lives, but have not received him and do not know him. That's why this question is so important. What will you do with Jesus? The Jewish leaders wanted to kill him. Are we, are we going to see Jesus as a, a political figure, as, as a poster boy for our, our political uh, ends? You know, the, uh, the Jews wanted a military man who would give them victory over, over the Romans and restore the kingdom of Israel, you know. Uh, we cannot use Jesus as a banner as we war against the, uh, the prevailing culture. We cannot use Jesus to achieve our political ends. Or are we going to be like Barabbas and accept that pardon? You imagine, imagine Barabbas on that day. He woke up that morning. Maybe he didn't even sleep that night, knowing that he was going to die. He was going to face the, the penalty for his crimes. He was going to pay for being a murderer, being a sinner, sins to death, you know. But that night, he went home a free man because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Jesus died in his place. You know, this is... What a, what a wonderful picture of, of Jesus dying on the cross for all of us, for all of us, taking our sin upon himself. You know, what, will we, what will you do with Jesus? You know, will, will you see him as, as the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God? You know, Mark's, Mark's gospel account was written for that very purpose, that we would see who he was and respond appropriately, come to that realization that, you know, he's the one who came to earth, God in the flesh, who lived a sinless life, yet was punished, mocked, beaten, cruelly, and crucified, executed as, as a criminal. You know, he, he took... His sin, our sins on himself. He died on the cross. He, why did he do this? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. And he rose from the dead. Yeah, that's what we celebrate once a year on Easter, right? No, the church, the early church celebrated that every week. We should be celebrating that every day. The, the risen, the living Christ. The living Christ who is in us if we've received him as our Savior. He's his presence with us every moment. The resurrection of Jesus, that's what gives us hope. That's what gives us the assurance that that we have eternal life, that we will be resurrected one day when Jesus calls us home. As the Apostle of John says concerning Jesus' death on the cross in John three fourteen through six fifteen, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. That question keeps coming back. What will you do with Jesus? You know, if you don't know him, his his arms are open wide, ready to receive you. Believe in him, receive him. And if you have believed in Jesus, if you are one of his, 
you know, the, the question remains open to you too. It remains open to all of us. What will you do with Jesus? What will I do with Jesus? You know, am I, am I going to live in a way to where he's irrelevant to me and I don't care? I don't even think about him. Am I going to see him merely as a good example to follow? Someone who said some really good things. I knew a guy when I was in college. He was a, a psychology major, and he described Jesus like this. Well, Jesus was a very well-adjusted individual. He's much more than that. Are we going to are we going to see him as as our political champion? Or are we going to see him as the Messiah, the Christ, the son of the living God who came for us to bring us eternal life, the Lord, the Messiah? Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe he's speaking to, to you through his word this morning. I hope he is. This is the question of the ages. The question of the ages posed by this, this pagan Roman Gentile. You know, what, what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you saw fit to humble yourself and come to the earth as a, a servant. Lord, that you became obedient unto death on the cross, Lord, for us because you loved us. Lord, you paid the price on our behalf and uh, Lord, we are a stubborn people. We are a, a self-willed people, Lord. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins, for making our redemption possible by your death on the cross. And Lord, let us shed any misconceptions we, we have of you. you know, let, us, let us truly embrace you, fully embrace you as, as our Lord and our, our Savior, our, our companion who we walk with, who we talk to. And I pray, Lord, that if there be anybody here today who has not believed in you and received you, has not been forgiven of, of their sins, Lord, will they hear your call and come to you and receive you as, as their Savior, Lord? And Lord, it's for your glory, for your honor, for your praise that, that we pray this morning. Amen.